So it is our refreshing podcast. It's part of Funny February and Merry March. And we welcome one half of the excellent All Killer, No Filler. This is Kiri. Kiri, welcome. Now, we should just say we're laughing between ourselves because this intro has taken about three hours, I feel like, to get done. But we've had a couple of issues with our software, which means that your partner in crime, lovely Rachel, has had to move on to something else. But you have stuck around for 31 minutes to say hello to me and I genuinely <laughs> appreciate that more than you will know so thank you so much thank you so much for having me I really appreciate it there is obviously masses of pressure on you now in that I'm doing this solo and it's been half an hour of technical wranglings which is my least favorite thing so you better make this worth it mate <laughs> uh, do you know what Kiri I know I feel threatened now especially with it all killer no filler I feel like I might end up on one of your future podcasts meeting my demise somehow <laughs> <laughs> it would be a little bit out of our comfort zone, but I think it would do amazing things for the listeners. So let's see how this goes. Literally go out on a high. It also means my prep has gone slightly out the window because there were certain things aimed at you and there were certain things aimed at Rachel. But in a nutshell here, so you're part of All Killer No Filler, which is an amazing podcast, been going for 105, 106 episodes, give or take 10 years. And to celebrate the 10 years of that, you guys are going on tour. Just to kind of go back to those 10 years, the podcast is all about true crime with a little bit of a, a comedic touch, but it is worth saying, and I know there's a disclaimer at the start of every single episode in terms of not romanticising with the crimes. It is just that kind of fascination from the inside looking out and sort of the stories, what developed before, during and after. It's kind of true to say that if you love true crime, people who love it, love it, don't they? Yeah, I think so. I think there's a there's a fascination, you know, look at how things do on Netflix. Like, true crime is a massive genre. But I also think that in the 10 years since we started doing it to today, the attitudes towards, like, consumption of true crime media have changed. And I think in a good way, in that we understand now there's victim impact. There was quite a lot of misogyny, I think, around these conversations. Whereas I would like to say we are the pioneers of being sort of feminist and empathetic and funny with it. Because we're comedians we know how to handle difficult topics and sort of keep it light and I think that's actually how we found our audience and what they liked about it is that it wasn't as heavy I'd like to say that we're always coming from a nice place even though we are talking about murders <laughs> that's the thing isn't it I mean it is like a I wouldn't necessarily say a strange subject because for years people used to go to medieval you know executions and at the time of Henry VIII of people's head getting cut off and it was kind of like a weird day out for people but where did that fascinate I know you must get this question all the time, but where did it brew from? Where was the, the origins of this fascination, if you like? Well, I know Rachel was given the Book of Horrible Murders or something like that. It was it was a, had all these police sketches in as a kid, and she was fascinated by anything like that. And myself, again, I was I used to listen to lots of books on tapes, and it was always it was never like Black Beauty or anything like that. It was Frankenstein, it was Dracula, it was Alfred Hitchcock's series that he wrote for kids. I also grew up on a farm, and you just do see like the kind of harsher, more brutal sides of life. That's I suppose has naturally given me an inclination towards well, not being as shocked about the darker side 
side of life but also I think it runs through there's a big seam of that running through my comedy as well like I was inspired by people like the League of Gentlemen and that is definitely often gets labelled as dark you know if you grew up in the middle of Wales on a farm as practically an only child because my brothers are so much older being into serial killers I think is actually a win I could have been I could have been a racist I could have been a magician I could have been any one of those awful things and turns out <laughs> being into true crime is the least offensive of those <laughs> Rachel sort of from the Manchester side of life and you Anglesey now I used to work in Wrexham one of the radio stations we looked after was Capital Cymru obviously Welsh speaking used to broadcast from Bangor and it moved over to Wrexham so I know Anglesey very well the the Menai Bridge the Anglesey show because this is like a serious thing now I said the Anglesey show this has got nothing to do by the way this is farming people don't get murdered there you know it's moved on since the medieval times <laughs> but I was kind of thinking the differences <laughs> between Anglesey and Manchester are quite different in terms of like there are a lot more crimes in effect going on in cities compared to probably what you grew up with so I suppose reading about it was the only way to see it on the front page of papers as opposed to worrying about what might happen when you walk down the street Oh that's interesting yeah I, I come from an area with a very low crime rate the island of Anglesey we did have some very like in when I was growing up as a teenager there was an incredibly high profile made national news horrific murder of someone who was you know like very well known to the community both the person who did it and the person who passed away and I remember that having a massive impact actually there was all these sort of diktat very mini satanic panic that happened and we were told that we couldn't wear certain things in schools because the killer had worn clothes like this and there was all sorts of like very strange things going on because it was a very small rural community that hadn't experienced that kind of like loss of innocence and it did on that occasion and yeah I remember I lived in Manchester for about 15 years in fact I lived in Salford first and I got <laughs> burgled almost immediately I was on a ground floor flat I left my window open and I went out for the day and I remember being like everyone being like well obviously and I was like growing up we didn't lock our house we didn't have any curtains on the windows we didn't have neighbours any of that kind of thing yes I guess for a country bumpkin like me that true crime and consuming it was probably a vital ed education in self-preservation <laughs> so the partnership with meeting Rachel and stuff and little nudges are kind of going you two will get on you two need to go for a you know a little drink together you two need to sit and do something I imagine she'd just give you the fact that yes if you go out please lock your window is probably the biggest friendly advice and then by the way do you want to do a podcast <laughs> yes. but um, is that kind of sort of how you got together then was it just through gigging and I like this too and you like that let's do it is that kind of how it worked yeah, it was. And it was very organic like that. And also, we, it turned out we lived like literally two streets away from each other in North Manchester. So, you know, and there wasn't many people living in North Manchester then because that's not where the students go and that's not where the other comedians were living. My then boyfriend went to a party at her house and stuff and then I got invited and so we did get on straight away. And I'd always thought that she was like, I knew she was funny. I'd heard great things about her and I knew she had a really cool sense of style and stuff. So a part of me was like, oh, I wonder if we'll get on or I wonder if it'll be like, you know, when two cats meet other in alleyway and they're just sort of staring at each other um i mean sometimes over the course of our 10 years working together it has been much more like two cats in an alleyway but ultimately we get on really really well and we're very similar but also we're very different and i think that dynamic comes over on the podcast and, and certainly we've evolved as well as we've got older we, you know we were in our 20s when we started doing this and, and we're not anymore yeah i think it's been a really interesting journey as well with the podcast it does kind of document 10 years of a friendship
you know, I read an article from the BBC. You guys have got such a, a life together that it is a journey through not just a love of something you actually talk about, but actually those daily bits and pieces of life over the past sort of 10 years and the time before that. And even probably something like this. I don't know if you do many interviews away from the podcast. It's like and without deck. Do you sometimes quite nice to do that in a way? <laughs> do you know what? It's really interesting because I feel like so I'm used to doing like lots of interviews myself when I'm doing a tour and things like that and it is a very different dynamic to when we're doing stuff together because we do have like personas even when we're on stage we all sit on a certain side I don't know if that's a deep-seated sort of like catholic superstition because of how rachel was raised but you know we have to sit on certain sides and, and, and our photographs will always be photographed on certain sides with each other so um there is definitely a dynamic and the kiri i am when i'm with rachel isn't totally dissimilar to who i am but she definitely brings out certain traits with me and vice versa but you know what has been really interesting is i think it's helped us as comedians actually find who we are because when you are just chatting sort of unguarded and then you suddenly have this massive audience and they go oh, god you're so funny when you talk about that it's given us both a bit of confidence to be ourselves a bit more on stage and it is so fun being on stage because I've got a sketch group and I've always written and directed for them and never performed with them and I do get a bit jealous when I see them having sort of fun up there together on stage and sharing it and I have that with Rachel like it feels like a real team when we're up especially when we're doing the live shows it feels like we're absolutely making this show together because we are and it's a very even partnership and that is a lovely thing to share and to share the stage with other women as well I think is a really fun thing and if you see where that's gone in those 10 years of the fact that and I know people like Catherine Ryan and I know there's a there's a host of names you've listed who actually you know really fighting that cause but to listen to some of your latest audio how fun how relaxed you are how the fact that actually you're not afraid to to ruffle a few feathers if people are getting in touch and um, I wanted to say just on the last part two of episode 105 with this strange and it's a shame Rachel isn't here but that's strange you know what I'm going to say because I can see the sort of whispering in the ears of names and you don't really know where it's come from now I was going to talk about that straight away the fact that we had technical difficulties i'm like now at least i've got someone to blame i'm blaming the random thing in the farmhouse so you can take your aggression to that particular ghost as opposed to me but did you ever get to the bottom of that what was the situation there <laughs> no do you know what I'm, I'm in a different building to where we record um but i've got a bit jumpy about going in that building on my own now because rachel was so convinced that she heard her name and when we played it up loud you know you and lots of people said oh, i can hear the start of her name in it to me i'll, I'll be honest with you it doesn't sound like rachel it sounds like someone farting and trying to pass it <laughs> off as a ghost and i will let them do that and i will take that version of the truth to my grave because i'm a good friend like that <laughs> i can see that on the headstone yeah yeah <laughs> I've made you wait so long, Kiri, and of the fact that obviously the technical issues, which I'm blaming on the ghost, and I will again, will take that to my grave. And we need to talk about the tour, all killer, no filler. It's 10 cities celebrating 10 years. It starts in Glasgow on the 30th of March. It ends in June in Birmingham. Tickets, all killer, no filler.com. But just kind of give us a little bit of an outline, and also for the fact that planning a tour is hard for any you know, anyone in, in the comedy game, I've got friends who are comedians who do the fringe and just writing a show every 12 months is difficult enough to keep on getting that on stage. But in terms of with you guys, 
due to the nature of what you talk about, it has to be tailored per city as well, doesn't it? So there's kind of the initial hard work and then sort of by default the work, what's going to come into that. Again, not going back to romanticising about the subject of what you talk about. But in terms of the tour, what can you give away and what do you want to keep secret from me? The thing we spend the most time doing is settling on what case we're going to talk about because you're so right. We have to take into account where we're going. So we're going to, as you say, 10 different cities um, to, to celebrate our 10 year anniversary. It wouldn't be right to do or, or, or I think it would be a tricky style to say do a killer who's from Bristol because we've got a date there. Um, because when we do that show in Bristol, there could be relatives, survivors, anything in that room. And we want to make sure ultimately that people come out and have a great night with us. That yes, it's interesting and yes, we're talking about a case, but ultimately we want everyone to have the same feeling that you have when you leave a comedy show, which is like, what a good night, I laughed so much. So anything that would get in the way with that, we sort of remove it. So that's the first thing, we never do anything local. We tend to do something that's a bit historic as well because it just, with a bit of time, it feels a bit removed and you can also be a bit more analytical about the sources and what agendas they were putting you know hindsight is a wonderful thing and i think the more time we have often the the greater understanding we have of the the crimes and so yeah it's a really that takes the longest time longer than writing the show because once you do go right we're going to do so and so um, and we've toyed with all sorts of ideas we're just going back and forth a minute ago about oh should we do this person oh no that's a bit too recent and we go to this city and maybe that was a bit too close so once we've settled on Nicola, that's the that's the fun bit then, because then we go and do all the research and we do a minimum of 10 hours each research. We'll read books about it. We'll find podcasts. We'll watch programs. We'll try and find interviews. We'll try and find press clippings from the time, all sorts of things. And then we sit together and we write it up. And as we're going back and forth, we'll go, oh, have you got, have you got the bit about the tie that was found in the room or whatever? And go, oh, no, I haven't got that. So I'll write that. And then we'll go, oh, that reminds me. I've got a story. Have I told you that story about that? And then we'll go save it, save it for the podcast. And it is very organic how these shows start you know we don't sit down and write it like i would writing a solo stand-up show because all the source material is there for us and then we just allow our chat to kind of weave in and out i remember when we did the christmas show in nottingham one of the brilliant ushers there a guy called michael is you know a bit of an older guy kind of uh, a kind of gentleman uh, that you would expect to volunteer at a lovely little theater and he came up and he was like what's this serial killer it's very very camp michael and i said, I said yeah we're doing that and he said oh he said i love a bit of true crime love a bit of true crime and then at the end he came up and he said was all that scripted? I said, no, no, none of it's scripted. We just chat. And he was like, absolutely brilliant. I thought, he was like, this is as good as the stuff that I see where people have got a script for it. And I thought, well, th that's a guy who sees stuff all the time. And hopefully we're giving you the bang for buck of an, a comedy show, but with the interest in true crime. And also there is something very freeing in being kind of sat in a room with, some of these rooms are over a thousand, a thousand other weirdos who are also into Google deep diving, <laughs> Wikipedia pages of murderers. It's a very freeing experience, love. <laughs> I was going to say, if you check someone's history on the phone, it could be quite unique for you and 999 others in that room. <laughs> it is important to, to kind of have that respectful view, though, isn't it? And that's the thing where anyone who actually does get in touch with the show, those guys are going to share on the All Killer No Filler podcast their own kind of stories. And that can, again, just take you into a world that you won't know where that's going to go until that email drops into your inbox, I guess. Yeah, it's really interesting to see the connection that people have. But, but I think more than people getting in contact 
contact with us about a place that all oh, that happened in my school or a lot of people get in contact and say oh my dad was interviewed to be the Yorkshire Ripper anyone who's sort of in the Darlington Newcastle area their dad was pulled in at some point and interviewed to check the Ripper and they wear it like a badge of honour so that is much rarer than people actually connecting with the stuff that we say you just do forget there's two friends chatting about life and you know we've had chats about us in the lockdown we talked you know about our mental health and a lot of people like we had so many messages about that and I just kind of forgot it was in there because I was editing it at the time and I just sort of banged it out because I didn't want to do a proper job and uh, so many people got in contact because I think they were feeling in a similar position and I think when people listen they're the third leg to our friendship group and so they had a big connection we both talked about not having children as well and we had like a deluge of messages from that in that they had just um they would not seen people speaking as openly about being child free and it being a choice before. So I think it's really interesting that I think people come for the murderers and they stay for the waffle. <laughs> and it's that, I mean, it kind of leads me on to the next question, really, in terms of an, answering the impossible question of what's sort of the favourite memory of the last sort of 10 years. And I guess that is hard, chucking in that personal element of boyfriends in past, openly speaking about not having children and, and you say being a choice, which is something which is probably still quite a taboo conversation for a lot of people, probably more so particularly girls, because it ends up that people by default are going, oh, well, you've been married two years, when you uh, when you're having a kid you know those kind of things just sort of drop in but I guess out of all of that and including some of the stories you've covered is is the one thing that stands out over the past 10 years I think um in terms of memories I, I all the live shows are very like precious I I would say this as well I never take it for granted that people either listen or that they turn up and show up to our live shows so I'm always thrilled when we got to tour America that was like an unbelievable thing that this little podcast that we did in a back bedroom that we edit ourselves on free software meant that we're walking into a venue in like in New York and in LA and people were paying tickets to come and see us like that was absolutely like that was real pinch me stuff but I think when it comes to Rachel and I, there's so many moments like and we talk about everything, you know, like I said, we've we've both been through big life changing because we think about we started doing this in. So what am I now? 37. So I would have been, yeah, 27 doing this. And in that time, if you think about how much your life changes from 27 to 37, it's it's probably the biggest period of change. Like, you know, I had a significant relationship end, like my career changed completely. I moved back to Wales. Like I lost my father a few months ago and like or none of this is kept from the podcast. It's all because it's what I would talk about and comes up in conversation with a friend. So it is almost when we do those live shows, like we are walking into a room full of a thousand friends because they kind of know everything about, you know, you know, they know your cat's name and <laughs> and they know, you know, they're following you on Instagram as well. So they're always, oh, there's the dungarees you made at that workshop the other day. And like, <laughs> there's a real sort of warmth to it. And I feel like our fans, as much as we really respect them and we, we really try and look after them. And that's why we've never put a paywall on it. And that's, you know, one of the many reasons why we've not had adverts on it. I also think they looked after us. Like we have a Patreon, so we never put anything behind the Patreon wall, but it means that people can donate if they want to support the podcast because it costs a lot for the running of it. In lockdown, that was what was paying my mortgage was people kind of, and we did podcast a lot more because we had a lot of time, but I just remember thinking, God, I feel really looked after by this group of strangers out there. But like, what a 
privilege to be a part of it. And that's it. And those strangers, it's credit to this conversation now and the over 10 years you find your own groove and it, it's credit to how you guys come across. Um, I was just going to say two things here, Kiri. Now, it's a shame Rachel hasn't made it due to them technical difficulties, my end. But I was going to say on your personal Instagram, I assume it's not just happened for a reason, but she only follows 666 people. And I was like, oh. Or is that just something I've just mentioned and you're gone, what the fuck, Johnny, that's just 666 people. I just wanted to drop it in. (laughs) Is that Rachel or me who does that? That's Rachel. This I haven't checked it today. I checked it over the weekend when I was doing my prep. Are you having a look now? Yeah, well, no, I'm fascinated. That's a, do you know what? I can't decide with her because she has got a wicked sense of humour. And I'm, I'm firstly, I'm amazed she's following 666 people. And I know most of them will be muted because <laughs> I know how right she might follow you, but it's very rare that she's ever going to see anything that you're putting yeah. out. That she's is brilliant. Like I don't think she's done that deliberately. <laughs> no, I don't think she's done that deliberately. And I'm going to message her after this. That'll, um, she'll really love that. Yeah. Um, or maybe she's, she's just a lot more sort of savvy and, and she's all about the image, but that, that that isn't Rachel, that is a happy accident, I would say. <laughs> I think maybe if it wasn't for the technical difficulties, the refreshing pod could have been number 667, but I will live in hope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she well, just mute you, honestly, you don't need her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kiri, it's been an absolute pleasure to chat. Thank you so much for waiting around, and uh, I will have a word with my technical guys and say, come on, you've sent me the wrong bloody link. There is two things I'm going to drop into conversation. One of them was we actually had a guest on ages ago. We started this podcast. We're in season five, but we've got nowhere near as many episodes as you. But we started it, and there was a guest we had on called Paul, and his handle is Unusual Things 666, bizarrely. He basically goes around visiting dead celebrity graves. But there's a hell of a lot of similarities between him doing it as a bit of a hobby. It kind of took off in lockdown. There's all kinds going on. They only visits places all over the country. But give or take is around about 78, 79,000 subscribers. It's just gone boom since we interviewed him about 18 months ago. So if you're ever looking for something to watch or you're visiting certain areas, definitely one I wanted to mention to you because it's just unbelievable. It really is. It sounds great. And also, do you know what? Rachel and her spare time, it does go around graveyards. She has a what a brilliant comedian called Catherine Mather is a good pal of ours. She said she's my graveyard buddy. And they go around little their graveyards together and, you know, the Highgate Cemetery and things like that. Like so yeah, this is right up her street. I will pass on the recommendation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, Kiri, it's been absolutely amazing. Like we said, on X, it's all killer, no filler for the podcast. The website, allkillernofiller.com. And it's K-I-L-L-A. I'm just going to put that in there for anyone who hasn't listened to your excellent podcast as yet. And the final thing I'm going to say to you is the fact that I really want in the post one of those cards that says, it finds me dry bums, and I want you to say, that's what you're going to blame the technical issues on. (laughs) (laughs) I will get one of those sent over to you, Johnny, but then that means I will have your address, so that's another set of problems for you. Oh, okay. Um, (laughs) Let me think about what address to send it to. I'll make sure it's not to, like, a neighbour or a parent, because if they open that, they'll be like, what on earth is this? You know. (laughs) Well, Kiri, I wish you all the best with the 10 dates across 10 cities and the podcast, I'm sure, will go from strength to strength. And hopefully at some stage in the near future, we can catch up again and have your partner in crime, so to speak. Crime, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, partner in uh, comedy uh, with us on the next interview. I wish you all the best with the tour and I'm sure you'll smash it. Thank you so much. Thanks, love.